Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Weekend sports with a difference. Yeah, really shouldn't be drinking. Oh, really? You learned that in med school that you obviously didn't get into? A look at the weekend in sports with the inside story on the Blazers, the Ducks, and the Beavers. This is Sports Sunday with Mike Lynch. At least I have my own bed. Your bed is a car. Yeah, but it's a sweet car. And Rashad Taylor. He's a very gifted singer. I'm really, really good. How good? I've been called the songbird of my generation. Stop. By people who've heard me. That good. On 1080 The Fan. Good morning, everybody. 902 on your Sunday morning. It is Sports Sunday. There is no Rashad today. Texted us. He he, pull, he does this like once every three or four months. The morning of text. I'm not feeling very well. Sometimes it's probably true, but I'm starting to get the feeling Classic. That, that there's a there's like a once every four month like mini burnout that he's like, you know what? I don't want to go into yeah, work on Sunday morning. Yeah, I'm not down for this. You know why I, I thought that? Because I thought the same thing this morning. I woke up and I was like, I could, but I don't want to because I'm actually going to be out next week. So I was like, you know what? No, no. I was just being lazy. You know, Joey's on spring break. Mm-hmm. I was de- uh, got him last night. And, you know, bringing him here with me, it's fine. He's, uh, you know, on the iPad doing his thing, but it's a little bit easier. I can easier. see it. he's playing some 2K right now, and he just cheered. Easier to do the shows without him being here and having to entertain him and stuff. So, um, and especially when we're down a man as well, it's a little bit easier as well. I know. I, uh, so I walked yeah, that, in. That text uh, came across my mind this morning around 730 as well. <laughs> I'm like, mm, I'm feeling something in my gut. I don't know. <laughs> well, the two of us were were very good people. And we didn't lie. Yeah. And we came in. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying Rashad's lying. I'm just saying that it's a once every three or four months trend that this will happen. So that's all. I mean, we are in a time with COVID. We are in a time where there is sickness going around. Although, on the flip side of that, we are in a time when everyone's wearing masks and actually not really getting sick generally unless it is COVID. 
Like I, I was feeling a little like, uh, like nasally yesterday, and I was like, oh well, it's allergies because it's been like it was warm for like three days, and then it got really cold again, and that that always affects my allergies, especially because I go out and run outside. And I was like, ah, yeah, that's it. But other than that, I've been fine with wearing my mask every single day, and uh, yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's where I'm sitting at that. I was I was I was feeling that mentally this morning though, so I understand where Rashad's coming from. And uh, he'll be back next week when I'm out, so he and Joe will be will be having the show next week from uh, 9 to 11. Joe, I have to I have to announce this on the air on this show. Oh, great breaking news. I met my girlfriend's kids. Oh, that's right. On Thursday. And um I was incredibly stressed out about it. I I don't blame you because so for those who don't know or don't listen to the station that much, uh, I did get divorced at the beginning of last year, and I met my current girlfriend in early October of last year, right when we were kind of in the little dip of COVID. I was on some of the dating apps, and we had like, I think, 150 cases a day or something, and it was pretty, we were doing pretty well at the end of the summer, and uh, it was before it kind of really sparked up again in the winter that I met her. And uh, she had kids. And that's a thing that I didn't really go into dating expecting because, uh, you know, I didn't have kids of my own. And before we got divorced, we had kind of talked about maybe not having kids, my ex-wife and I. So mentally, I was I was just kind of like, well, OK, I guess that that's kind of it for that. And when you're dating in your 30s, a lot of single people have kids in their 30s or even late 20s. Joe, you would be one of those as well. And um you know, it was just one of those things where, like, we were hitting it off, we were talking, and we were texting each other, and she was like, oh, just so you know, I have kids. And I was like, oh, I was not expecting that. And I was like, well, I'm never going to not meet someone just because you have kids. We'll see how it goes. And, and then Mike ghosted her for a week, didn't get any <laughs> matches, and he's like, you know what? All right, let's try this. No, no, this actually, <laughs> it was it was very smooth from the beginning. In all seriousness, it was my first experience on dating apps, and I had done it for a couple of months and hated it, so I'd kind of deleted it. And then I just was bored and I went back on. And that's, I feel like that's kind of the same routine that every every person on dating apps does. It's like, I hate this. This is terrible. Well, I'm bored now. So I want to you know swipe on some profiles and maybe talk to some people. So I, it was the second time I was on it and we hit it off right from the start. But we, we made the decision very early. I was like, you know, you know, she had been recently out of a relationship and it wasn't great for the kids. And it was like, let's just let's just go slow for them. Right. Like we can you know, be in a relationship how we want. But in terms of you meeting the kids and them knowing you and all that kind of stuff, like, let's slow down. Um, well, she moved up to the Portland area last week or two weeks ago now. And because she's so much closer to me, it was like, oh, like, if I want to take advantage of, you know, you not being an hour away, I should probably meet your kids because if they're over, because, you know, she has them about half the time. If they're over, then I, I don't want to not be able to come over if you're that close to me. So we, I just ripped the bandit off. I went over on Thursday and I brought some pizza. I brought some bribes of sauce and cheese and bread and and uh, that's it, a good first step. Bring it was it, a great first step. Bringing over junk food and it was a really good pizza that they enjoyed very much. So what kind of pizza was it? Oh, it was just Bellagio's. Uh, it's my that's my favorite like easy to get local place. Um, personally, you know, it's it's close enough to what I like in pizza. So I just got. A sausage, pepperoni, and red onion, and I got a, a cheese because her daughter likes cheese pizza. And there you go. That's what I brought. Are you judging me for that? I'm just thinking about my opinion on Bellagio's. Yeah. I haven't had it in a while, and I never liked it. Too, like, when my parents used to order Bellagio's back in the day, I'd be like, 
Palagios. <laughs> but I wanted the crap pizza, like Pizza Hut. So, oh, I mean, okay. that's, that's the thing. So, Palagios is definitely better than going the Pizza Hut or Domino's route. Yeah, well, yes. Um, look, I, I've said this on many shows on the station. I'm a massive pizza elitist. So, uh, I don't go to Bellagio's lightly. It is, it is not the best pizza I've ever had, but it is solid for what it is and for the amount of, you know, it's a chain. It's a local chain, but it's a chain. It's, it's solid for what it is. So uh, I did that, went over to her place. Uh, we played some board games. We played uh, something called One Night to Be a Werewolf or something like that. And it's like, uh, it's a game where you each get a character and one of you is a werewolf, but you have to lie so that you don't get killed and caught. So it's like Among Us, but in board game. Yeah, it was out form. before Among Us. It's also like, there's a game called Secret Hitler, which is very similar, but way more adult, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Secret Hitler. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing where like <laughs> one of you is Hitler and there's a couple other people who are like SS agents. And um, <laughs> you, so they know that you're Hitler and they try to protect you. And then other people are, you know in the government and all that kind of stuff. So it's, that's the way more adult version. It's basically the same game. Like a little automated voice comes on the phone on the app and it's like, everyone close your eyes. Now werewolf, open your eyes and look at a card in the middle. And it's just like, it gives you the cues and you have to listen to who's moving cards and stuff. And you got to try to guess like, cause you know, the cards move. So it was pretty fun actually. And I, I thought it was a good kind of icebreaker to meet them, but uh, it's, it was stressful. It was very stressful. I never, ever in my life, expected to be entering a relationship with someone who already had kids well and also it's like you're saying like dating you know you got to try to impress people our age and then you find someone and then it's like now i gotta impress people that are like a third of my age and yeah. have to like relate to them like i said i thought it was going to be easy for you with the with the boy because it's just like hey like video games yeah, me too. All right, cool. <laughs> that has been, that was actually exactly how it went, yes, basically. <laughs> what, I thought it was actually easier with her daughter because she's what's younger. What's your gamer tag? <laughs> uh, I thought it was easier with her daughter because she was younger because uh, the, the boy is already like a preteen. So that was going to be, it was a little bit more of like uh, he kind of knows what's going on and he understands like it's not just like this is mom's friend. It's like this is mom's boyfriend. Um but it went well. It went well. But it was also very terrifying at the same time. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you, Mike. Have you had that experience? Since been... you've got little Joey with, like, people who don't have kids going on dates with you and being, like, overwhelmed by that fact? Uh, Yes and no. Some have been like, oh, cool. And then some have been a little bit wary. And, I've like, the last girl I dated, she basically just told me, she's like, yeah, I'm not the parental type. I'm like, oh. <laughs> That's all right. Well, I see where this one's going. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, am I, uh, should I feel bad for like, cause I'm obviously on the, the dating apps as well. When I see, uh, someone with, uh, kids, I'm not, I'm generally not too receptive about it, but you have a son. <laughs> I know. Wouldn't which, that mean that you would like actually get along better, which makes me, yeah, somewhat of like a hypocrite. Like, Oh wait, no, you have kids. No, only I can have the yeah, kids. Only I can shit. have the boy here. And then, and then everyone else has to deal with that. Yeah. There, there's part of me that looks at it. I'm like, well, how old are they? Well, I don't really want to restart that clock. I see uh, my son when he's 18, I'm only going to be 39. I don't want to make that turn that into like 44 or 45 i think that's a prime age he's out of the house by the time i'm 40 uh, that that's great like i said i got that I mean, clock ticking already i mean i'm kind of in a similar boat with you know the, her, her kids are eight and 12 and she's buying it she's 31 so i mean yeah it's kind of a similar timeline <laughs> to to what you're talking about there so in, in some ways i'm like this is stressful but also hmm 
40 years old, 45 years old, and they're out of the house, and all of a sudden you're just fine. You know, it's uh, that's that's pretty sweet. And then there's also the part of me, I'm like, well, I already have to deal with one. I don't want to times that by two or even three. Mm. You know, if you're going if you're going into it like you with zero, it's a nice little change of pace. You don't have to have a terrifying mo- change of pace. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, to me it's just like, oh man, I gotta deal with one. Now now I have the potential of having to deal with two, three, four. No, I'm good. I'm good. I'll just stick with my one. <laughs> then hopefully I find the chick who's who's like, you know what, I don't want to have any kids. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. One and done. Well, I'm I have a feeling that you're gonna find some people that are like that. The more the the more and more that I, I hear about our generation and then also the younger generation is that I feel like kids are less of a priority. It's not like a, oh, I'm definitely having kids. I think a lot more people are way more open to the idea of not having kids or at least more kind of neutral on it, right? Like, mm. oh, I mean, I can see myself being a mom, but if you don't want kids, that's okay. Well, we got too many people on this planet anyways, so let's try maybe tone it down on the reproduction here. Uh, don't, lis- don't, don't listen to those old, old fuddy-duddy New York Times articles or whatever that are saying, oh, the younger generations aren't having kids, and that's a really bad thing for our future. Just going to run out of people one day? Yeah, right. Just, yeah. you know, one generation just not having kids. <laughs> the whole world's going to run out of people. <laughs> Is the whole is all society going to collapse they just because of stop the- doing it? I don't know. <laughs> I, I've seen a lot of articles about that recently, and I'm like, is that real? Do people just stop doing it? No, no never. No, I think that's uh, I think that's made up stuff. All right. So text line 503-250-1080. Let me know your experience. If you have kids, what do I have to get ready for in this situation? Or if you've entered a relationship with someone who already has kids let me know give me some advice I, you know my the, the advice i've gotten so far is just be their friend for now and then figure it out later the rest well, of the stuff <laughs> text line coming in with some uh tips for you already which uh, <laughs> I, I very much appreciate <laughs> ah the uh, tips for having sex with kids in the house <laughs> yes <laughs> a don't do it <laughs> b tell them the noises are in their head C, mommy and her boyfriend are wrestling. Of course. That's all, always what it is. Or D, be honest. We were playing tennis. <laughs> as Rob would say, it was our drop-dead best tennis. <laughs> <laughs> that was a quote from a commentator on the Australian Open. He says, they're playing their drop-dead best tennis right now. <laughs> it's become a thing on primetime. Text 503-250-1080, and uh, we can get, through, get to those throughout the show. But I do want to get into the NCAA tournament today. I have a feeling that it is maybe a little bit of a blessing in disguise that Rashad's out because I don't know if Rashad has watched a lot of the tourney the last two days, just based on his usual interests in college basketball. I mean, I've worked both days, so um, I've been watching it. It's been on the TVs. It's been on the yeah, it's been on TVs at work, so I've definitely been watching it when I'm not helping people. So I have a good grasp of what's been going down the last couple days. I'd like to talk some tournament. It's uh, it's back. We had a year off from it, and I. And once again, reminded of how perfect this stupid 68-team tournament is. So we'll get to that. Uh, Oregon and Oregon State both advance. Oregon, not with a win. Oregon State with a big win over a five-seed in Tennessee. So we'll get to that. Uh, the Blazers got CJ McCollum back. There's some more serious talk about the future of Terry Stotts as well. So I want to talk about that. And then... NFL free agency has gotten underway, so we'll get to that. You might have just said it, but did you mention the Oregon big victory one to nothing? Two to nothing, apparently. Oh, yeah. it was two to nothing. Yeah, I was one nothing, and then I checked, and then it was two nothing. I don't know why. 
I don't know what the difference is. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, I feel bad for VCU, but, uh, you know, I feel bad for Oregon, too, because they have a tough game for their first game tomorrow now. But we'll get to all that coming up. 503-250-1080 is the text line, and then you can find us on social media. I am at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Joe is at Joe Fish 3 F-I-S-C-H. And Rashad, who is out today, is at TaylorMade503. Coming up next, NCAA Tournament is back. And boy, oh boy, has it been fun. This is Sports Sunday on the Fan. Oh. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Just Mike and Joe today. Rashad out. He'll be back next week. I'll be out next week, so it'll be a couple of two-man shows in a row. NCAA tournament second round has just begun on CBS. Top seed Illinois, eight seed Loyola Chicago. Loyola Chicago up 9-4 midway, or not midway, five minutes through the first half. There was a lot of talk that Loyola Chicago was drastically underseeded, and this is a really bad matchup for Illinois, so we'll see if that pans out that way. But I was so curious how I was going to react to the tournament this year because I usually am a big college basketball fan, or at least above average college basketball fan. I watch a lot of my team, which is Syracuse. I watch you know ducks games and i'll watch pac-12 if i go home and just like keep an eye on it right it's it's just a sport that i grew to really love when i went to college when i did but this year partially because of the pandemic i think this has been the case with almost every single sport is you kind of lost a little bit of the momentum of just being a sports fan during the pandemic your habits the stuff that was normal stopped being normal so you created a new normal and then sports came back and you kind of had to reacclimate it into your life. I felt that way, even with like baseball, for example, which is my number one sport and I'll watch every Yankees game and I'll watch all the games I can. Even with baseball in the shortened season last year, I had a harder time getting into it because especially because baseball was the first sport back. I had spent so many months not watching sports. So because of that, I was really curious how I was going to do how I was going to do personally with the NCAA tournament coming back, because this is used to be one of my favorite weekends of the year, four straight days of just wall to wall college basketball with, you know, the best teams usually playing each other and upsets and all that kind of stuff. But I just didn't know how I was going to do. There was no brackets really, right? No, nobody's in Well, I shouldn't say there's no brackets really, but at least in my life, there were no brackets. There's nobody in this building. And the guy who used to run the brackets here is gone. So I didn't know anybody doing like a bracket pool, personally on the side. So I just filled out like one or two on the ESPN bracket challenge just to have something. But that's also a thing that I don't really have this year. I don't have this really passionate following of my own bracket to see if I can win some money. Um, so all of that was going into Friday and I was like, yeah, I just don't know. I also didn't really care about the first four games on Thursday. I just, I usually watch those. I didn't watch them. And boy, if I could not have been more off on my prediction for myself, because the second Friday morning started, and I think it helped that the first game, Virginia Tech, Florida, went to overtime, I was sucked right back in. It has been so exciting. There have been upsets as per usual. There have been big upsets as per usual. And most of the games have been close and entertaining through most of it. There's been a couple blowouts, and luckily my own team was the, uh, the giver of a blowout against San Diego State. But generally speaking... 
I am as sucked in as ever, and it makes me realize just how perfect of a format this is. Because it's it's anything proof. It's one and done, 68 teams. It doesn't matter that the quality of the basketball is not that good. It's just exciting. And no matter what, this tournament will always be exciting, at least to me. Yeah, I, I hear you as far as being out of the groove with your following the sports, especially college basketball this year. I I didn't watch a lick of college basketball this year, like at all. Um, basically until the Pac-12 tournament is when I started to tune in a little bit more. And then Friday hit, and I was telling myself, I wish I would have filled out a bracket. <laughs> because, yeah, once the game started rolling and I had a coworker who was showing me his and there was part, it's, it's like that uh, the whole fantasy football thing. Like, let me show you my team, you know. There's part of you that doesn't really care, but I was also part jealous because I didn't have a bracket to talk about either. <laughs> oh, well, I'm winning here, and oh, I called this one, and oh, uh, this one's, oh, this one could happen, you know. So I I definitely like, yeah. yeah, definitely had a regret of like, man, yeah, I should have filled out a bracket. Now, now I feel like a, a loner over here and don't have anything to talk about. But, I mean, watching the games, yeah, Friday, just one after another, um, even if it's subdued because of the low crowd size and everything, and it's just the families being there, there's still, there are still some fans. I think it's 20% capacity. From like what I say, I, I'm pretty sure it's like, just like families of the players and coaches. And that's what I thought was the rule was that there's only a certain amount of people that are allowed to be in there watching the game, spectating as long as they have some relation to players and coaches and staff. To be fair, I didn't see that rule. I just, one of the announcers said that we have 20% capacity here. So I just thought that meant there were some fans there. And when I was watching the Syracuse game, you could tell there were fans there. Some, um, you know, Syracuse always travels well in the tournament. There's a, wherever they play, generally they get, they're the fan favorite just because there's a lot of Syracuse grads who like to go to those things. And they were getting cheered on. I think they were where Butler plays, Hinkle Fieldhouse playing San Diego State. So I just thought it was nice. It is it is a little bit subdued, but, but you can still, there's something. It's back there a little bit. You can hear them. But also what it reminds me of, and these kids who are playing in it, they can relate to it most just because they were in the kind of environment, you know, up until college is this is the AAU tournament feel. This is the going somewhere for a weekend, a few days, and you just have the gym where it's you and the players and the families. And it's, it's basically just like the people who have the most passion for the game. A lot of people that go to March madness are there for the environment and may not care so much about the games as much as the people that are there right now. So when you have these moments, it's a, it's more intimate feel to it because of the people that are there. It's just like when the buzzer beaters happen, obviously you're not going to get the crazy roaring crowd, but to me, it still has that same effect because it's just like, you know, we're we're here to get the work and job done. We're, we're here to win. And, you know, all this, um, you know, theatrics and all the stuff that comes along with March Madness, it's kind of, you know, pushed aside because it's like this is a tournament. We are here to just get business done. And it's a little bit more pure. Yeah, exactly. Um, I also think, too, this is something I will miss when fans come back is hearing everything else on the court and or field and or wherever, wherever the game is being played because yesterday this I, I just noticed it the most because it was uh it was rick patino but when when iona was playing uh alabama yesterday 
you could just hear Rick Pitino screaming across the court at his team, like every single possession. And I thought it was so funny and fun just to be able to actually like, cause they would zoom in on him and you'd see him yelling, but you could hear it too, because the, the court speakers were picking it up the court mics. I mean, so it was it, that I enjoy a lot in all of the, the COVID sports is being able to hear all the athletes and hear all the coaches and stuff. So that I will miss that when fans come back for sure. Uh, but it's been a really fun tournament so far, too. I think that helps is you've had a decent amount of upsets. I mean, the first day within the first like five, six games, you had a 15 beat a two Oral Roberts beat Ohio State in overtime. Uh, I mentioned my team was it was an underdog. They won big Syracuse beat San Diego State in the 11 six matchup. You had uh, a 13 seed be a beat a four seed as North Texas again in overtime beat Purdue 78 69. Uh, Oregon State, which we'll talk about next, was the 12 seed that most people thought had no chance. They, frankly, walloped five seed Tennessee. Yeah, they were in control that entire game. Uh, you had a nine seed and a 10 seed win, which don't really feel like upsets, but technically, I guess they're seeded upsets. And then yesterday, you had another big one with uh, you had a couple big ones. You had 11 seed the UCLA coming out of the first four, winning over BYU. And uh, what was the big one? Yes, you had Ohio beat Virginia yesterday. Yeah, 13 over four. That was predicted by a lot of people, but 62 58. And then you had a 14 beat a three Abilene Christian last game of the night. Abilene Christian beat Texas. And this is the first time that four teams ranked 13 or lower have advanced after the first round. Really? Yeah. I had so no idea. It almost is like, yeah, well, this year, this season, not surprised. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's I guess that's true. I don't know if that's a COVID thing necessarily or just uh, I think maybe for Virginia, it might have been because they had to miss the end of the ACC tournament. Just, you know, whether it's COVID related, whatever, it's just like, yeah, just this funky, kind of weird uh, year of sports. It's like, yeah, of course, this is the first time four 13 seeds or lower advance. Of course, this is how it goes down. I did see, though, that in the second round, seeds that are 12, 13, 14, 15, I think it was, are 0 and 9 in the last like eight years. Well, that's not fun. So um, just be ready for that little train to end although the year before that stat i saw that stat was like since 2014 or since 2012 the year before that two of those seeds did go on to the sweet 16 so you're saying there's a chance yes but it's just very very unlikely because you get that momentum of the first win and then you go and play a really good team most likely <laughs> um and well we do get 11 versus 14 tomorrow ucla versus abilene christian right but that doesn't feel like a true 11 versus 14 does it? no no not, not at all if it was the one that i think a lot of people predicted was ohio against cal santa barbara i think it was and um the creighton wind up wound up winning their game against cal super late so that would have been a 12 versus a, a 13. And that would have been one of those interesting ones where it's like, oh, okay, who's really going to get to advance to the Sweet 16? But now they're playing Creighton, Ohio is. And I think a lot of people are going to pick Ohio, but still, that's just a little bit of a different matchup. All right, let's cut to the Beebs, the Ducks, and the Pac-12. Pac-12 undefeated in the tournament so far, including against COVID so far. No contest? I guess that they won, yeah. Won nothing, right? Undefeated. They did not lose. They did not lose. We'll get to that next. First, Joe has sports. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I love this song. Also, that was incredible timing. 
getting the woo in the little clip, like the little drop in our rejoiner. Radio production at its best there, Mike. Yeah, I know you did it intentionally. I heard you play it. I was like, oh, it's going to be right there. It's going to be right in that sweet spot. It's going to be good. One final note I had before we move on to the Pac-12, just in terms of realizing just how much I was going to care about the tournament, was just how into the Syracuse game I was against San Diego State. I have not been able to watch my team this year that much because they're on the ACC network, and, well, Comcast doesn't get the ACC network still. So I maybe watched them like four or five times this year at most. And like, I'm still a huge Syracuse basketball fan, but I just haven't had a chance to follow them that well. And boy, did I feel good after that game on Sat Friday, Friday night. I felt so, so happy after they won the game. And it was like, oh, okay. All right. This is, I forgot how this feels. This feels really, really, really good. And I'm super jacked for their game today against West Virginia because I think they can win it. So it's just one of those that once you kind of realize those emotions are coming back, it, you realize just how good of a format this is. And it's like, I, I know that th it's not perfect. I know that you're not getting all the best teams, right? You're giving automatic qualifiers to small conference winners that, you know, 80% of the time will lose to the, the big conference brethren. But, you know, it's a one and done and anything can happen that, that leads to some upsets and it leads to some great games and it leads to high pressure situations constantly. And the further you go, the higher the pressure gets and it just gets more and more and more exciting. So, well, hopefully one day I can uh, be more excited about the tournament when Pitt ends up getting back there one day, hopefully. Maybe it's been since 2016. Maybe Pitt's not very good right now. Jamie Dixon left and, uh, well, they're, be they're better than they were a few years ago, but... The second Jamie Dixon left, you uh, you guys just decided to go into the esser. Look, we're not going to go into a pit segment here, but they hire made the wrong hire, and then, yeah, they went to the a ACC, and basically since then, it's just been an absolute mess. I don't understand why Jamie Dixon left Pitt for TCU. That uh, seemed like a very strange decision. TCU is his alma mater. Ah, yeah. that would be why. Yeah. That would be why. All right, so, so far... Through the first round and the first four, the Pac-12 is undefeated. You know, that's just the Conference of Champions. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. <laughs> I did see now that the Pac-12 went undefeated. The... From the mighty mountains of the Rockies to the west coast of the Pacific. Pretty good, Joe. Your impressions have gotten <laughs> very good. Uh, I saw a tweet that said that Turner slash CBS should hire Bill Walton just to do the Pac-12 games <laughs> starting today <laughs> because every Pac-12 team has advanced. I would love that. Could you imagine the national college basketball audience being exposed to Bill Walton in the NCAA tournament? I feel like in most of them would hate every second of it because it's such high stress games. Oh my God, Bill, shut the hell up. And he'd be just meandering <laughs> about mountains and oceans Temecula and... dirt <laughs> but boy would i get a kick out of that because i love bill walton on the calls of pac-12 games and i think that would be a lot of fun but the pac-12 has done fantastic so far uh, and we'll get to oregon state in a second i want to give them some time i just want to start by just kind of going through it a little bit but in the first four you had ucla against michigan state in a game that it felt like everyone picked Michigan State to win and then not only just win that game, but win a couple games in the tournament because they had played so well at the end of the year against top five teams. But lo and behold, Michigan State had some infighting at halftime. They were up pretty big and UCLA made a big comeback to wind up winning that game. And then UCLA wins again 
yesterday over BYU in the 11-6 matchup. You had USC yesterday dominating Drexel. Was it Drexel? Drake. 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 Sorry, Drexel was a 16 seed. Dominating Drake, 72-56 in that game. The Mobley brothers played very, very well. Uh, I hadn't watched a lot of USC this year. I just knew they had some really good young talent, and I was quite impressed by them, and I did in my bracket pick them to beat Kansas in the next round just because I knew they had a really good NBA kind of player. So we'll see if that happens. You had Colorado absolutely demolish Georgetown, which, let me tell you, made me so happy. (laughs) So happy. Uh, 96-73, the final score there, so good for the buffs there. Uh, You had Oregon State win their game against Tennessee. You had Oregon advance thanks to vcu's COVID issues am i missing any is that all of them that i just said right there i think you got them all there uh tom yep thanks bob uh yeah so that's all of it and and frankly most of those games were impressive wins right yeah you had usc with the big blowout you had colorado with the big blowout you had ucla really it didn't ever feel like byu was in that game yesterday so i'm going to say comfortable win you had Oregon State with a comfortable win against Tennessee, and then Oregon, you know, got the benefit of, of advancing because of COVID, but I think a lot of people thought they would have beaten VCU in that game. Anyway, not only is the Pac-12 winning, they're winning handily. And the for a conference that is generally looked down on across college basketball for being the weakest of the Power Five, they are sure putting a show on these last two days. And if they can keep playing in the same way, boy, they might make themselves a run. It might be an impressive little run for them in the tournament this year. Well, you do have Oregon State taking on uh, the other OSU today and yeah. possibly the one of the number one picks in the draft, number two pick next year. Cade Cunningham. So that will be a tough matchup there. But Oklahoma State did not play great against Liberty. They had a good second half that pulled away late. This is true. But Liberty almost, I I shouldn't say almost, they won by nine. But Liberty kept that game close for quite some time. This is true. And then Oregon plays uh, possibly the... They play Iowa. The Naismith Award winner in Luca uh, Garza tomorrow. Um, And they're the number two seed, Iowa is, so... UCLA, I mean, they do get Abilene Christian, but again, they did just beat Texas. You that know? is a very good matchup for UCLA, though. Abilene Christian, if you watched any of that game last night, that was I, I feel like that was more of Texas Losing, blowing the game yeah. than Abilene Christian winning. Abilene Christian scored, I saw this today. Oh, my God, I'm going to forget it. They scored three points in the last, like, five minutes of the game, and they still won because Texas scored two. God. Like, it was... It was really, really ugly at the end. That's like college basketball to me. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. Uh, but Abilene Christian getting the win. That's, that is, that'll be a good matchup for UCLA. And then, uh, yeah, like I mentioned, USC plays Kansas. Kansas is not playing great. And USC right now is a slight favorite. Yeah, USC is playing very well. And Kansas, boy, did they look a little bit iffy yesterday, especially in the first half. Their offense was very disjointed. It took a hot three-point shooting half from one of their players who normally apparently is not a good three-point shooter. So that's a, that's a bit of an upset alert there for USC. And, yeah, Eastern Washington was hanging around towards the end there. They did not give up easily. They were cutting it to single digits, you know, a couple possessions. So they they were making it interesting towards the end, but just a little bit more offensive firepower from Kansas. I mean, 93 points. That's 
It's a lot. <laughs> yes. Colorado has a very tough matchup. Florida State, I think, is very, very good. So that'll be tough for them. But they played very well against Georgetown. But I, because of those matchups that we're talking about, I mean, you're going to get a couple of Sweet 16 teams, I think, for sure. And once you get to the Sweet 16, uh, we, we've talked about this on, on some shows on the station before. It depends on your level of school. But once you hit the Sweet 16, everything else is gravy, right? I mean... Getting out of the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament is incredibly difficult. There's a lot of upsets. There's a lot of really close matchups, If depending on your seeding. You, know, you could be the 8-9. You could be the 7-10 matchup. I mean, that's basically a coin toss. And getting to the Sweet 16 is just gravy from that point. Now, for certain schools, that's expected. But I think for basically all of these Pac-12 schools, including Oregon this year, who is going in as a 7 seed, maybe underseeded, maybe not, but... I think hitting the Sweet 16 this year should be considered a success. So if a couple of these schools can win, that's a good sign for the Pac-12 on the national stage. Just in terms of, look, I know every year we, we look at the conference and we realize the play is not as good as some of the other conferences, especially like the Big Ten and the Big 12. But when you go up against these these guys in the tournament and you win, that to me that just means that you're moving in the right direction. You know, it is a one and done thing. There is some luck involved, but the Pac-12 played way more, won way more than just with luck. They won with skill the last two days because they've been they've been quite, quite good. All right. Coming up next, let's get into the Oregon State win over Tennessee, as well as Oregon advancing. And why I'm not so sure the COVID advancement is a good thing for Oregon. That is next. This is Sports Sunday on the fan. Weekend sports with a difference. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I really am digging the like late 90s, early 1000s hip hop you've been bringing to the table the last few weeks. It's nostalgic. Very nostalgic. Thinks me of a simpler time, an easier time. A time when all you cared about was homework and girls. Basically. And yeah. nothing else. Will she dance with me? <laughs> Will we get in trouble if we dance too close? <laughs> Yes, no, maybe. I don't know about you, Mike. Written um, on a piece of paper. But living up, uh, living in old suburbia Sherwood, uh, they were not too fond of the dirty dancing, dancing too close to each other during <laughs> school dances. So much so that by the time of my junior year, everybody had to wear bracelets at these dances, like the little clip bracelets, you know, uh-huh. that you get at events. And uh, first warning was they'd cut the bracelet. And then if they had to tell you again, you're out of the dance. They'd kick you out. Wow. Swear to God. Yeah, my school did not care. <laughs> that's that's uh, what I'm saying. My school had grinding for days. Yeah. At prom. Yeah. So it, it trust me, it went down. You get those. You get groups big enough, and you kind of all huddle together. Hide in the middle. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, for some reason they thought that they could alleviate it with this whole brazen thing. No. Jay Fish was still grinding on the dance floor. I, I remember the very first time I ever experienced that. I was like, oh, this is okay. <laughs> like they, they want to do this and this is considered dance. Uh, uh, oh, oh, oh uh, I, I and, need a minute. Well, and they're okay with the, what's going on. Uh, uh, okay. I need to go to the bathroom. Just give me a second. <laughs> it was like this pure moment of like, I like this and this Elation. is okay. <laughs> This is a lot. I didn't even have to do anything for right. this. No, I'm just standing here. <laughs> like, I don't even have to really dance. I just have to move slightly. Oh, this is awesome. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was a great experience. Um, all right. Before I get too down that road, 
because <laughs> that might go somewhere we don't want to go. Oregon State with the big win over Tennessee on Friday. The final score was 70 to 56. And I was watching that game here. I was at work when that game was on. That was one of the more impressive wins from a team that I think generally was looked at going into the tournament as, wow, great job. You won a Pac-12 tournament and a down conference and who you're going to get killed by a five seed. Uh, no, they built about a 10, 15 point lead early and they were up by 14 at halftime and they really never lost that lead. They were balanced on offense. They hit a lot of threes in the second half, which helped them kind of keep that lead where it was. Tennessee did not play very well, but some of the credit should go to Oregon state for that. you know, Tennessee didn't shoot the ball very well, I guess would be a better way to put it. But I mean, I went to that game thinking out of all the 12 seeds out of all the upset potential teams, Oregon state had the lowest chance of winning just because of how they played in the regular season. And I know a lot of it is about momentum and who's playing well at the end of the season. And I get that, but you know, it, not that I thought it was a, that it was a fluke. I just thought that they were the team that was most likely to come back down to earth once they hit the big boys in the S uh, in the NCAA tournament and playing one of the better teams out of the SEC in Tennessee. And I was wrong. And at this point, if the Beavs can keep playing like this, I mean, look, I'm not going to pencil them in to go to like the Elite Eight or anything like that, but I could see them being able to win a game today, another one, and advance the Sweet 16. Because once you get momentum in the NCAA tournament, it's really hard to stop. And if you're playing well, and it's not like if you had a really close win and you're advancing and you're surviving, that's good. But if you won your first game playing well, not only do you have the momentum, but you have so much confidence, which is when you go against other good teams, it's just is a such a boon to whatever team you are. So because of that, I, I really do believe that Oregon State has a chance to upset Oklahoma State today. Now you're going to go up against one of the best players in the country, but they didn't play great in the first game. And as long as Oregon State stays balanced and stays solid, I, why not? Why not the Beavs get to the Sweet 16? Well, I mean, just looking at the game between them in Tennessee, like you said, they they basically had control of that game. I just went and look at, uh, looked back at the the game flow chart. Oregon State led the entire game. Yeah, there's not one point that Tennessee led at any point in that game. And I swear, I remember seeing the Beavers up by 20 at least at one point in that game, if not very close to it, 17, yeah. 18 or something. Mm-hmm. And if you can beat a five seed, you can definitely beat a four seed at this point in the tournament. It's not far fetched to believe that'll happen. I was just saying, Beavers. They're playing great basketball right now. They've won seven of their last eight games. When they ended the season with Oregon, that's literally been their last loss in the last month, month and a half now. So this is this is what it is. Playoff time. What team's clicking? What team's playing the best? They can get on a roll. And then before you know it, Oregon State's winning their first, or should we say the Oregon State Ducks? My right. God, Brendan Haywood. Yeah, Brendan Haywood was the color analyst of the game. And at the very end, after they won, he goes, he says something like, uh, the Oregon State Ducks, getting it done. And you're just like, did you just call an entire game <laughs> with the Oregon State Beavers as the team that you were calling and still call them the Ducks? And that wasn't the only example of that. Like Jay Billis in his big article where he makes all the picks had them as the Oregon State Ducks. What is happening? Well, they won't forget now. I mean, yes, they will. I mean, apparently (laughs) they just beat a five seed and he called them the Oregon State Ducks. Yeah. 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 Now, now with a two day lull, they'll just uh, start calling them the all time. You know what? We're just merging them. They're they're the Oregon State Ducks now. Um, (laughs) No, but they I mean, 
it's tournament time, playoffs. This happens in every sport, NFL, MLB, what team is playing hot right now. You don't see it so much with the NBA because they're long series and usually the best team ends up coming out on top in all the series. Um, but yeah, this is the these kind of one and done factors and this time of year, who's hot, who's playing the best and Oregon State, their defense has just looked really good over basically since the tournament has started to now. And so play good defense, like you saw with Abilene Christian. Mm-hmm. It, if you can lock a team down, get them to low point total here, shoot, you score 55, 60, 65 points, you can get the victory. I always think that the four, five, and six seeds are the most vulnerable. And I know some of that is is fleshed out by numbers, like 12-5 matchups are always really big upsets and 11-6s and stuff like that are not big but common upsets. But the reason it, that's the case is that those are usually power five teams that have flaws, right? The top two lines are the best teams in the country. Uh, the three seeds are really good teams that have like one fatal flaw, and maybe that'll come to roost in the, in the first round, but generally they're pretty good. But once you get to the four, five, and six seeds, those are teams that are either power five teams that are like Tennessee, for example, that are good but we're not the best team in their conference. That was Alabama and, and struggled at times during the season uh, or their mid-major conferences that have a, that are a really good team, but didn't play a lot of competition. A la BYU this year, who was a six seed UCLA beat them as the 11, six matchup yesterday. BYU was a very good team, but they only really played Gonzaga. Like that was it. You know, they played the West coast conference and that's not a very good conference as we know full and well out here. So um, you know, that that tends to affect those teams as well because when you're playing the 11, 12, and 13 seeds, the, those are either really good teams from the small conferences or they are hot teams from the Power 5 conferences because they've really played their way in, uh, which is how I view UCLA. It's how I viewed Syracuse going into this as well. Um, and Oregon State, you know, they're a hot team that was playing well coming into the tournament, so they get a 12 seed against a team that may not have been playing super well, lost a couple games, has some flaws, and it leads to some upsets. That's why I say four-seed Oklahoma State is in that exact same realm. Now, they're better than Tennessee because they have a much better player than any player on Tennessee in Cade Cunningham. But Cunningham in the first half against, uh, oh, God, who do they play? Liberty only scored two points and then came out and had a better second half and led them to the win. Oklahoma State's not unbeatable. So go Beavs. They got a chance to make the Sweet 16. And they just had their first tournament win for the first time in 20-some years. So, bravo to the Beavs. Maybe you can get to the Sweet 16, and it'll be fantastic. Root for them today. Coming up next, we didn't get to it there. Why I think the Ducks not playing is really, really bad news for them going into the next round. This is Sports Sunday on The Fan. 30.